I'm Aunt Kelly Anakin. And I'm Molly of Mitchell Sanchez. We're here to take birth control and talk about The Handmaid's Tale. And we're all out of birth control. Hey, we're out of both those things. Well, we can't blame Trump for this. Yes, we can. This is Red All Over, your graceful alias grace recap. Let me in. It is fully light, and that still scared me. Yeah, but I'm so glad you don't have to walk home (laughs) alone in the dark after this, because like when I was editing the previous episodes, I was like, Molly's so afraid. I was so afraid. This is the first, full disclosure, this is the first episode of the Alias Grace Recaps that we have A, only recorded one podcast at a time, and B, recorded in broad daylight. Yeah. I have been spooked. I have been fully spooked and shook every time I've left your house. So I have to tell you a funny story about what happened this morning, like right as you were arriving. No, a ghost came. No, no ghost came. There's no, spoiler alert, there's no ghost. You don't have to be afraid. But I was talking to my roommate. And she has a boyfriend who sleeps over like probably like once or twice a week. And she said that he told her, you know, there's something that he really doesn't like when he sleeps over here. And I'm thinking, cause he's also a Scorpio. He's literally born on, I think Halloween. Okay. Or no, like Halloween Scorpios. That's I feel suspicious, but okay. Anyway, I know what you're saying. <laughs> she dates a lot of Scorpios. I don't know what to tell you. We're fantastic lovers, but, um, I'm thinking like, oh my God, he's like in tune with like the spirits and he has uncovered a spirit because his house was built in 1904. Okay. And I, I straight up asked when I viewed it to rent it, I asked the guy, I was like, oh, is it haunted? And he was like, no, we don't think so. He's like, we, you know, we were up there for a while. I was like, okay, cool. But I'm like, oh my God, your boyfriend is like sensing a spirit. But it's just that there's a guy on the block who rakes leaves early in the morning on the street. Like... <laughs> This is, I mean, it really Kelly, is a problem. What guy on the block? <gasps> dun, dun, dun. But like when I moved in here, like I would be woken up at like six thirty, seven in the morning by this person raking leaves oh, on like weird. their sidewalk and in the street. And I'm like, what's going on? Like, why, why are you raking your feelings? Like this is unnecessary. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> anyway. So I was like, but I was like, I was wigged. I was totally wigged. I was like, oh no, there is a spirit here. Because, well, you know, I like to watch show. a scary movie of an evening and then I'm like, I'm afraid to go to the bathroom. I know. Which I is it's like it's dumb. I don't understand your life. <sighs> Me neither. And <laughs> I've been trying. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do a quick shout out before we get into this, uh, because we are recording this the Sunday before Halloween. Just want to say all you redheads who have submitted your Halloween costumes on our Facebook page. You guys look incredible. We I'm have such creative so, fans. You guys are just blowing me the heck away i want to try to oh did you see we got some new ones no i don't do social media on the weekend anymore so we got a bunch of really cute ones i'll just do a quick rundown jessica lovering so cute laurel madelon adorable and then i want to give a quick shout out to the the group of very cute guys (gasps) who did this (gasps) oh my god sexy male handmade oh my god i um chad mcmullen you and your friends are so cute oh my goodness i uh I I feel a little um I feel a little oh. moist. I'm oh. feeling Chad wants to mention that he's not in this picture, but he saw these guys. Well, guess what? Oh, good. Okay, because I didn't <laughs> want to make Chad feel like I was objectifying him, like he's Max Minghella. No. But I I'm gonna we jerk off to that later. Definitely gonna post these <laughs> this week. But great Handmaid's Tale costumes, and I know we're gonna see a lot more as actual Halloween. Yeah, I'm around. I'm so excited about like looking at people. Like I'm not even dressing up this year at yeah. all. I, I was doing stand-up this weekend. Oh, I want to give a shout-out to Nikki Glazer, oh, who I worked with at Cobb's Comedy Club in San Francisco. She's super nice. She's just such a funny headliner. Mm-hmm. 
And she's a woman headliner who has a huge draw. Yeah. Like she's totally inspiring. And I just wanted to recommend her to our fans. Definitely. If you like stand up comedy and you haven't seen anything from Nikki Glaser, she had a show on Comedy Central called Not Safe, where she like delved into all like this weird stuff. It mm. got canceled because mm. it was very raunchy. I don't know. She's sort of, I don't know. She's like a thinking woman's Amy Schumer, if that makes sense. But um, she's really fun. So just check out her stand-up. She just had a Netflix special. So if you have Netflix, and I'm assuming you do because you're listening (laughs) to this Alias Grace podcast recap. But check out Nikki Glaser. Oh, but I was telling people in my set last night that I'm dressing up as a sexy agoraphobe, (laughs) which is just me staying home naked. And I was like, so just what I do every day. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Okay, so Alias Grace, episode five. Episode or five. part five. Oh, okay. Well, I've learned this from like programming all of the metadata and these are these are designated as parts. Well my And they don't my. they don't have episode names, which kinda of bums me out. Like yeah. because they could like name them after like different quilts, like that would be cool. Or I want them actually to have the same naming convention as like friends. So they're like the one with the murder. <laughs> the one with the male projected fantasy of what a woman should be. That's literally every episode. Oh, yeah. How about the one with the apple peels? Yeah. <laughs> I'll be there for you even after I'm dead. Uh, also, okay, last thing. Nikki Glaser does an impression of Jennifer Aniston. That is so good. <laughs> it's it, so amazing. Anyway. Okay. I'm done gushing about Nikki Glaser. Great. She really liked my jacket though. Well, it's a cool jacket. It's a cool jacket. All right. So this episode begins with an Edgar Allan Poe quote. Spooky. It's a bullshit quote. I hate it. <laughs> oh my God. I'm like, I don't remember what it was. So please it's, remind me. Okay. This is what emo ass Edgar Allan Poe wrote. Uh, he on must his have been notebook. the worst fucking boyfriend. <sighs> Edgar Allan Can Poe. you imagine what a sad boy? What a sad, like stinking of whiskey, gross boyfriend Edgar <laughs> like, Allan Poe. And he Poe never showers. And he's like always talking about his cousin that he wants to fuck. And you're uh-huh. like, oh my God, she is dead. But <laughs> that checks out with this shitty quote. <laughs> he, said, he goes, <clears throat> The death of a beautiful woman is unquestionably the most poetic topic in the world. (laughs) I just added that last part, but it is heavily implied. I bet Dr. Jordan loves Edgar Allan Poe. That's what I'm saying. It's it's such a fuckboy quote, and it's such like um, him projecting his feelings on a dead lady. <laughs> Which is like, he, you can't do it in life to her anymore. So yeah, you if you, just... um, if you find yourself projecting your feelings onto a dead person, go to therapy. Yeah. We have that now. Yeah. You didn't have to write the cask of a Montalado to like process your feels. But I bet Maggie Atz also knows this is a bullshit quote and that's why she put it in here to be like, see, fuck boys. Well, yeah, because this is not a poetic episode. Yeah, and this is, is, is this, would you say it's the most violent episode that we've had so oh, far? Unquestionably. Because we go, I mean, we go, we have finally gotten to the murders, and I love this episode just broadly. This is not one of my favorite episodes. Mm-hmm. I would maybe even put this behind the pilot. Well, especially coming down from last week's Yeah, last episode. week's was so good. But this really is where we get into, like, what's the deal with Grace, though? Yeah. Like, it's, and, and you're getting these conflicting narratives and reports mm-hmm. and you just you basically get incepted yeah you're like who's talking to who now and it's why great. i love it so we're gonna get there we should start at the beginning Begin a very good beginning. place to start 
Yeah. So Dr. Jordan is reading Grace's and McDermott's confessions again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's getting a little obsessed. What do you think? He's like, Grace is like, why are you so obsessed with me? <laughs> I thank you so much for making that Absolutely. reference because I feel like not enough people talk about that song God, and like best. how she like has this insane diss track against <laughs> Eminem. This is Mariah Carey. Yeah. Who like obviously. got into a beef where they, did she date Eminem for a minute? No, but he has a song where he says something rude about her. And so she, that's uh-huh. why she made that song. It's Mariah Carey's world. We're all just living. Mariah in it. Carey is a goddess. And it's I, too bad. She sucked the life force out of Nick Cannon. Or is it honestly, what's he bringing to the table? Come on. <laughs> she sucked the life. She fucking gave that man life. Like, yeah. don't come at me with, she sucked the life force out of Nick Cannon. Anyway, um, the, I'm going to sing. I feel like that song can also apply to Mrs. Landlord. Humphreys. Humphreys yeah. later. Yeah, she's uh, she's a bit much. Oh, I love her. So my note here is, yikes, blood. There is so much blood in this episode. Yeah, and we see this version of the confession has mm-hmm. McDermott like drawing and quartering Nancy's body. Like he like cuts off a leg and like pulls it up and like you see it that was really rough it was rough and it just it feels so weird to me because it's so not the tone yeah and this feels like the most sort of like desperate is too strong of a word but it's like they're trying to like play with the game of thrones boys and it's like you don't need to show me girl anna paquin's dismembered leg i didn't like it no did not like it at all so he's you know he's disturbed you know we're all we're all upset for once, we are in agreement with Dr. Jordan. <laughs> Will this ever happen again? Probably not. <laughs> then he's, you know, he's kind of walking and talking with the reverend and explaining where they are in their, I don't even know what you call this, interviews, yeah. treatment, you know, waking wet dream for him. And the, the reverend makes a comment that Grace tries a man's mental capacity, which I find fascinating. You know, Dr. Jordan, basically, like the the strain of this, yeah task is starting to wear on him it would be like if mariah carey sucked the life force out of <laughs> and that's like what is happening to him yeah so but that's not what happened because mariah carey is a giver of life and, and it's life. just like i don't like i i don't get it like what? i don't get why the reverend thinks she's so trying i don't get why dr jordan thinks she's so trying like okay See, from all this- i get like okay so she's been convicted of murder sure <laughs> sure <laughs> but that. like she seems totally cromulent to me i'm like totally. she's just sewing away she's just telling her stories Ugh. and being like don't laugh at the dead why are you showing me a parsnip <laughs> they have well they have such a reminiscent of like hunchback or notre dame like hellfire kind of like <gasps> relationship with her where they're like projecting all of their angst onto her mm-hmm. and she they're like, oh, God, she makes me think about murder. Oh, it's like, bitch, you was thinking about murder. Well, you know, the question that I have, like, about the Reverend and this whole committee, why? Why are they so obsessed? <laughs> but, like, why Why well, Grace Mark? I mean, I know well, she is, you know, the celebrated murderess. Right. But it's like, what, what incited this? Well, because, it, it, like, did she do something here's what to I plant think. the seed? Or, like, here's what I think is I think that it's her story is very titillating to them and it's very singular in that there are not many murderesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's also great. She inspires all of this care because she's such a model 
prisoner and yeah. she is white and she is pretty and she is compliant mm-hmm. uh, and she is you know they perceive her as chaste other except for like the things that were done to her uh-huh. which is not a wrong thought necessarily but yeah. she's such a model of like what a good prisoner is that they're well, like and like a good lower class person yeah they're like it's like it's like you know when you hear people who want to like donate to charities and stuff but they're like oh you know but like people who like you know like propagate like the myth of the welfare queen and like all these things yeah. she's like oh here's this deserving yeah you know poor wretch that, that we, we can help save. yeah because look at i mean look at that to pull uh, Danielle de Babarak, like, look at all of those other women in prison. Like, who's to say that all of them aren't guilty either? Mm-hmm. But they don't look at them because they're, like, spitting and swearing and potentially had sex once for well, fun. And they didn't have their pictures in the newspaper. Totally. <gasps> oh, my God. I just had a thought when she's like, you know, never have your face in a magazine because you don't know what purposes it'll be put to. How many people do you think wiped their dirty Canadian bums <laughs> with her confession? <laughs> And her in her photo. Well, gosh. Or her, her picture. That's true. Yeah. A, that is true. And B, that's disgusting. C, though. Well, you're a non-pooping person. I don't expect right. you to understand. You know what, though? On the real, real, I pooped so much after we had that talk. <laughs> Molly, I tempted, you've shattered my world. I'm so sorry. You fed me that whole milk and I my body exploded. Anyway, we can edit that out. But <laughs> um, I'm not. Our <laughs> listeners need to know that you poop. <laughs> Sorry. They're well, feeling bad about themselves right once now. Once in my life, I did it. <laughs> but it was only because I gave her life. whole milk. That's right. Anyway, um, but you're making me think that there is something more interesting there to her saying, you don't know what use your picture will be put to. And that's kind of the whole thesis of this book is that we people project so much other things on her than what she is. Who lives, who dies, who tells your story? Exactly. So anyway, uh, that was a bit of a tangent in this short scene. Dr. Jordan tells the Reverend that he, he is convinced that Grace knows what happened. I know. He He truly believes she's repressing this memory because all of her other memories are so detailed. She has this insane memory. And he is just like, yeah, I think we can get we can get there. And oh, I'm sorry. He just has such an I think it's more selfish than that. I think he wants to be the person to crack her. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Especially if we're going through this lens again of like how men project their ideas on women. Mm -hmm. He wants to be the one to figure her out. Yeah. Listen, (laughs) he's the worst. We're not so different, Dr. Jordan and I. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh, I'll fix you. Exactly. You guys deserve each other. (laughs) Spoiler, I couldn't. The Reverend then, as they get to Dr. Jordan's residence, he's like, "Um, on the down low, you need to skedaddle. Because everybody knows that you're living here alone with your landlady, that her husband is gone, there's no servant in the house, Mm -hmm. and these Tories will use any any possible information to destroy their enemies. Mm -hmm. So the Tories are very anti-letting grace marks out of prison right whereas the patriot now what would you call them the reformers i think is what they're called but basically the people who supported william lyon mckenzie who i apologize i refer to him as william lyons mckenzie i was getting my empire and my singular line my alias grace 
mixed up you know so he's like basically the reverend is concerned that if dr jordan is like discredited as being wanton then whatever report he writes will not be acceptable to the authorities yeah i didn't pick up on that but that's a great Um, read of that so (laughs) unfortunately (laughs) dr jordan is sleeping mrs humphreys just like comes into his room and he's like whoa he's like hey get out of here and he says this must stop and she says nothing has happened so there's nothing to stop and i'm like that's ironclad logic it's great you can see her like pick up her little like nightdress like arm and go like "Mm, mm." (laughs) i keep i know it's not her i keep imagining mary elizabeth winstead yeah as mrs humphreys and i don't know why i think the actress who's a scorpio um looks a little bit like her but i just like now in my mind like when i try to envision what mrs humphreys mm. looks like it's like mary elizabeth winstead i just like that her strategy was okay <laughs> what if i sneak into this room <laughs> with a candle very scary and ghost-like and be like hey eh? this is like before you could text being like you up this is what yeah, you yeah. have to do you have to get on <laughs> that was account. the that was the victorian you up was like <laughs> candle <laughs> face Oh my Body. god! <laughs> he just Josh, by degrees. Josh keeps putting his candle in my room at night, and I'm like, Josh, talk to me in the daytime, okay? <laughs> We're not engaged. So embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> so the next scene is he rebuffs her, and then the next scene is in the mayor's house, the governor, the governor, whatever, the official person. <laughs> okay, that guy's house, and they're getting ready. I don't know to have tea. That's uh, what they always do. Fucking A. They're really into it. Look, they're all trying to be British. <laughs> they're failing, but they're trying. And the one maid is bitchy to Grace for no reason. And the other maid tells her to stop. Yeah, so that her name is Clary. And basically, like, the other maid, like, Grace is like, she's afraid of me. Yeah. And Clary's like, I'm not afraid of you. Good for you for killing those people. <laughs> I love that. I, yeah. That's not in the book, right? I don't want to talk about okay, it. Sorry. Like. It is, but it's not in this context. Okay. But, but I thought this was akin to the moment in the Handmaid's Tale TV show where the other handmaid is like, yo, I used to be poor and, yeah, you know, this is such a better life for me because mm-hmm. I'm safe and I'm cared for. Yeah. And to have this woman of color tell Grace, is like, I get it. <laughs> Killing the person that is in charge of you. I mm-hmm. don't, how, Why do you think I'm here? I yeah. totally get it. I'm not afraid of you. Yeah. I thought that was very interesting. She also knows that Mrs. Humphreys is thirsty AF. And so she introduces Grace to the idea that Dr. Jordan, you know, may be having some sort of improper relationship with her. And Grace is like perturbed. What did you think of that? I was very confused as to why Grace is perturbed by that. I agree because I... I think that she enjoys having a place to go every day and a person to talk to who's outside of her routine. Yeah. But like, I don't think she has any interest in especially Dr. Jordan. I think Grace is very pragmatic to me. Like she's like, okay, um, I'm in prison forever. So, so I'm not gonna, I'm not going to worry about fucking people. Yeah. I'm not going to be attracted to people. Well, and you know, she has very definite and prudish ideas about sexual expression. Also, the only sex she's ever had has likely been non-consensual. Yeah. So, like, so she doesn't really have a lot of warm fuzzies. I wouldn't be a like sex like sexually awakened happy person either. I mean, unless she's upset because Dr. Jordan is doing something that she would consider to be like beneath him. I think that that is a 
more accurate reading of it. But them. I felt that it was shot in such a way that she was somehow like sexually jealous. Well, I think they were trying to like really like fool you into thinking that because it, it leads up to the later scene where you think perhaps she's sleeping with Dr. Jordan. Uh huh. I never thought that for even a second. But. I know, but I'm just saying <laughs> if you were watching this for the first time and you didn't know anything about the book, you'd be like, uh, what? How'd this happen? Yeah, I guess that's true. I'm so anyway. jaded by being so well read. Um, <laughs> hashtag Ugh. humble brag. Uh, hashtag season is the worst. R.I.P. Harris Whittles. <laughs> oh, R.I.P. Harris Whittles. Dude, I can't. We can't talk about it because I'll can't. start crying. Let's anyway, okay. So <laughs> then it cuts to the scene of Dr. Jordan giving the worst TED talk. <laughs> In the in well, it's the, Canada, so it's a Tory talk. Oh God, it's her- horrible. <laughs> it's so boring, but it's basically him saying, "I think she has she has amnesia for sure, but maybe I can get it out of her." Basically, yeah. is the gist of that. And I just wrote, "Man, life sucked before Netflix." <laughs> Everybody's sitting there watching him with rapt attention just on an afternoon because yeah. what the fuck else would they do? There's no. nothing else to do. All the time. I'm like, please, somebody invent cable. Please. These people have too much time on their hands. This is all they got. They have to like go talk to the dead because there's like nothing else yeah. to do. They're like, oh my God, if I have to talk to the living anymore, I'm going to become the dead. So Had James so Joyce weird. written the dead yet? I don't think so. He was the 1920s. Never mind. Okay. Anyway. So the reverend is concerned about his theories because he's not sure it leaves room for the soul. And Uh this is what I always find so fascinating in the sort of like debate about science versus religion, which I think is dumb. I think there's enough room in both things. Right. Anyway, I don't really care. Like, I don't like believe in God or whatever. But, you know, it's just like, you know, reverend, it's fine. Your soul's okay. Yeah. Like penicillin doesn't negate the soul. (laughs) Wash your hands, for Please God's sake. Please wash your Just hands. Just a general note for anyone listening. Wash your hands. So then they introduce Dr. Jordan to a guest they have. <gasps> oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> oh, my God. Molly just turned into a puddle. Oh, I like, I'm sliding off the couch. <laughs> oh, my God. Luckily, I put down the plastic sheeting. Good. After last time, I was like, <laughs> we're not playing this again. I bought this couch less than a year ago. <laughs> Dr. Jerome DuPont. <gasps> Who is it, Mall? It's Zachary Levi, a.k.a. Jeremiah, uh, it's- a.k.a. Flynn Ryder, a.k.a. my boyfriend. <laughs> we cut to back to the kitchen and Grace is like, I know that voice. She's like, something sexy is happening. <laughs> <laughs> something sexy this way comes. <laughs> I can hear it. Jeremiah is like, uh, what up? I'm a hypnotist. That's my main jam. So he has followed through on his goals. Right. And I'm really proud of him. Good for him. And he offers to mesmerize Grace and, you know, mm-hmm. perhaps they'll be able to recover her memory that way. And the committee is all about this because, like, they're yes. like, Dr. Jordan, you're boring. Totally. You're too obsessed with vegetables. Yep. You're not getting us results. Not cute. Not. I mean, I can't. To- I know. There are you certain know what? He's, he's not cute, but I would fuck him. I can't explain it. I can't explain it. I, I, every time I, I'm because well, he's thirsty. He's got that like very weird, like, I want to have sex, but I, I don't like that. I want to have sex. Like, but also, kind of but also where he's like, I kind of like, don't know how to have sex. Yeah. And I'm like, I will teach you. I'm like, I'll fix you. Oh my God. Oh you boy. are so broken. Oh boy. But they are excited. Cause it just seems like a, 
more interesting. Well, again, they're like, well, he's given this talk. Now his value as entertainment is over. Yeah. How about this guy? This guy seems He says promising. that he's a hypnotist. <laughs> oh, the governor's wife, I realized, is played by the woman who plays the lady shopkeeper in the old Anne of Green Gables miniseries. Oh. I cannot remember what I meant to look up her name. But she's the one that Matthew buys the dress with puffy sleeves from. So if you're an Anne of Green Gables person, you probably are. You definitely are. Yeah. I'm like, if you're watching Alias Grace, Please. you have some Anne of Green Gables. <laughs> like, I, w- I could, like, read your palm and be like, you like Anne of Green Gables. Come on. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> yeah. You named your cat Cordelia. <laughs> so Grace comes in with, you know, a plate of, of more tea things. And she sees Jeremiah and just faints. I love it. She just passes straight out so funny and then dr jordan is like oh my god she's my girlfriend oh my god i gotta help her i wrote the same note i wrote please she's my girlfriend (laughs) (laughs) he does he gets so weird he's like oh my god does she need mouth to mouth like her eyes are fully open and she's breathing and he's like she needs resuscitation yeah it's ridiculous but jeremiah does the thing where he like lays his finger against his nose (gasps) to be like grace don't blow my cover. Don't be weird. Don't yeah. be weird. Don't be weird. <laughs> Somehow it works out where like they're like, oh hey, this is Doctor Jerome Dupont, or he's like, hello Grace, you don't know me. I have heard that you are sometimes uncomfortable around new people. <laughs> like you know he, you know he's a con man, yeah, and he's, he's really great. good at it. Ugh. He can totally con his way into my pants. Grace's poker face is not super great. She <laughs> is. Yeah, she's just like she's like. Well, she and again, she's so happy to see him. Yeah, like it's like the the only moments of pure unadulterated joy in this are like when she gets to hang out with Jeremiah. Well, yeah, and those two other times. Oh, the times when she was happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I feel like, well, I don't. I was gonna say like just like nothing bad ever happened with Jeremiah. That's true. You know, like directly. Well, let's think about the times when he comes. He does tend to kind of come right before some big shit goes down. That's true. Like he came right before Mary Whitney died. He came right before uh, Nancy mm-hmm. died. And so I think you would be an astute reader and watcher of this to see him coming and be like, oh, no. Yeah. Somebody's going to die. Be excited, but also be like, some shit's going to go down. <laughs> So Jeremiah wants to hypnotize Grace, and he's like, the committee wants me to hypnotize you. And she's like, oh, that's what's wanted, sir. Yeah. And then Dr. Jordan is so upset, and I wrote... So mad. I wrote in all caps, boy fight! (laughs) (laughs) Boy fight! Boy fight! Look, on the real, that's my main number one fantasy jam. Is two men physically fighting over you? Yeah. Yeah, uh, that checks out. But I always fuck soft boys, so it, like, never happens. (laughs) They never want to fight. That's my favorite line in Daria. (laughs) Are you a Daria person? Yeah. Yeah, Uh So, like, when they go to um, their cousin's wedding Uh that they both have to be bridesmaids in, like, Uh the weird minister is, like, trying to flirt with Quinn, and then her, like, groomsman counterpart is also trying to flirt with her, and they get in a fight, and Quinn just goes, you guys, stop fighting over me. And I'm like, that's my dream. (laughs) I feel like growing up, I was a Daria, but now I'm like fully a Quinn. Oh, I'm absolutely a Quinn. Like, I don't think I ever, like people would always be like, oh, you're like Daria. And I'm like, it's just because I have glasses and bangs. And I realize now, you know, now that we know Amy is a woman, I'm like, oh, Amy was the Daria and I was the Quinn the whole time. Yeah. That's nice. The next thing 
that she says she's kind of aware that the next time she talks to Dr. Jordan, she's going to have to tell about the murder. Because mm-hmm. uh, she says, it's already part five. We only got six parts. <laughs> this kind of have a second season. Uh, We've got to get the let out. Yeah. But I really like the quote that she says is, I must go on with the story. The story must go on with me. She goes, uh, she does the monologue a little more about like, being like kind of bobbed along within this story and again it goes back to the central theme that like yeah we are only made up of the stories people tell about us and we're caught in other people's perceptions and what is real and what is just a perception of something and this this section is so confusing because you get in rapid succession a lot of flashbacks that don't make any sense with what we know well, yeah. And so, we don't know what is the real... We get a flashback to her trial. Mm-hmm. We get a flashback to Nancy firing Grace and Grace being upset. McDermott asking her why she's crying and giving her a hug. He says he's got a secret to tell her. And then we flash to Kinnear. This, to me, is the creepiest one because I'm like, what is this? Yeah. Grace is, like, running and hiding. But Mr. Kinnear is trying to find her and, like, calling out, like, for his dirty girl. And I'm like, is he looking for Grace or is he looking looking for Nancy? Nancy. And we do not get an answer. No. Then we get the let me in voice again. It's it's just very perplexing because it's like, okay, are you remembering this? Yeah. Is this from your confession? Yeah. Like, is this from McDermott's confession? Yeah. Like, there's all of these conflicting reports and you get the sense that Grace herself, at this point, it's been 15 years. Yeah. I mean... You, you know, these things fade and it's like, what is real and what was going on? Totally. It's very interesting. And yeah, I, I it really throws us into a tailspin. Is this the part where she remembers Nancy yelling at her? Because there's a part where she remembers the day that Nancy came out and basically fired her in McDermott. That's the next scene, I think. That's the next scene? Okay. Yeah. We get Dr. Jordan comes in and is like totally disheveled. He is just a, he's a wreck. He needs to get it together. He really does. Like, I know your landlady is trying to low-key rape you, but... (laughs) I mean, Like, women women deal with this on a daily basis, and we're not disheveled. So he is very brusque with Grace in a way that she's not accustomed to, but he, like, Mm -hmm. apologizes. And she says that nobody cares what she actually remembers. The only person who ever did was her lawyer, Kenneth McKenzie, and... She was like, I don't think he believed me. And he just like told me to say all this other stuff so I yeah. could get off. But Dr. Jordan insists that he will believe her. Mm-hmm. Do you believe him? <laughs> I think he very much wants to believe that she's innocent. I think so, too. And I think he wants to believe that he can take her at her word. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So then she gets into it. Somebody's sharpening an axe, which I'm sure is not foreshadowing at all. <laughs> so Nancy comes out and fires Grace and McDermott pretty unceremoniously. So Mr. Kinnear has, has gone off and she's like, um, Hey, y'all need to be gone. Well, actually the scene I'm thinking of is before that when Mr. Kinnear tells her to kiss the horse goodbye, which I think is just funny uh-huh. <laughs> that she had to explain that to Simon. Oh yeah. Because he was like, McDermott was not going with him to Toronto. She's, She's like, like, he meant the horse, bro. Sorry. I love the horse. <laughs> I love horses. Misty of Chincoteague. Like get it together. <laughs> Misty of Girls love horses, Dr. Jordan. This is why you're still single. Uh, I'm such a Mallory. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Mallory's the worst. Uh. 
yes. Anyhow, uh, uh, who so, who was your favorite babysitter in the Babysitters Club? Uh, then it was Christy. Now it's probably Claudia. Mine was at first it was Marianne, but then when they introduced Jesse, it was Jesse. Jesse's really cool. I love Jesse. Man, Je- I feel like Jesse's the only one that went on a professional success. No, I think Daisy, maybe. Really? I was thinking that Stacy probably like had a bunch of nervous breakdowns. Oh shit, maybe. Man, Anne Martin was super woke. Like she did a whole chapter in that my favorite babysitters club where they go on the around the country trip. Uh-huh. That she was just like Jesse talking about how the white people didn't understand why she wanted to go to this plantation and like learn her history. And oh my how God. she had to find another person of color to like reminisce yeah. with. I was like, damn, that's I don't pretty think, woke. I think that Anna one came out after I had stopped reading them. It's a really good one. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Anyway, we're, we're, now that we got that out of the way, <laughs> it's a very important thing. Hashtag who's your favorite babysitter? Tweet at us. Yes. I'm at Kelly Anakin. I'm at Serious Molly. <laughs> Uh, if your favorite babysitter is Mallory, you're wrong. Dumb. You're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Mallory's fine, I guess. Um, she's so lame. She was so codependent on Jesse. You know who else sucks? Fucking Don. (laughs) Don, get the fuck out of here with your carob. John, you're basically like Stacy Light. Stacy Light and. I didn't realize what it meant that she was from Palo Alto until I moved to California. And then I hated her twice as much. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, because she's rich and a stoner. Ugh, I hate Don. <laughs> anyway. Also, fuck Sonny in the We Heart Kids Club. Oh, We Heart Kids Club is dumb as fuck. You are so stupid. You are just copycats. Stop. None of you have the business acumen of a Christy Thomas. <laughs> Christy, Christy utilized her one friend with the phone line and was like, we're starting a business. Yes. Done. Oh, fuck. Oh, anyway. Oh, I need to calm down. Anyway. <laughs> okay. One of my friends, her favorite babysitter is Dawn. And then like, you're wrong. You're Why trash. Why would you pick that? Anyway, trash. Uh, okay. Uh, so, <laughs> so Nancy, this is all a lead up to a stupid joke I wanted to make. My favorite kind. So uh, Nancy yells at her to get back to work. <laughs> and Grace is like, cool, I'll go back to lightly throwing water on these hankies. <laughs> she's doing it's so weird. Um, You do that so that they like dry better and like are oh, whiter okay. or something like that. It was before they had like a spray ball. Yeah. And she's just like with her fingers like <laughs> just ever so slightly wetting the hankies. This is Grace Marks, our human spray bottle. <laughs> no. Okay, but now we can go to the part where she fires McDermott and Grace. Yeah, so McDermott is like, hey, I'm going to murder everybody and you're going to help me. And you can't tell anybody because, like, there's only, like, your word for it. Yeah. So then, like, they're, like, inside and, like, they're having some whiskey. I love it. And because they're like, well, we just got fired. We're going to dip into the whiskey. And then Nancy comes in and she's like, oh, my God, where are you guys having fun without me? And I'm like, what is the matter with you? Like, I know you're pregnant. But this is unacceptable. Well, do you think that happened? What? Do you think that she fired both of them? Because I think one way to read this is maybe she didn't. And maybe McDermott just wants to kill. Maybe she just fired McDermott. Or, maybe. And so it's just Grace's perception that she's acting weird, even though they had a fight earlier. Because mm-hmm. maybe she didn't. Maybe she didn't fire Grace. Yeah. But I saying. would also read it. I think it's easy to believe that Nancy's just mercurial and weird. Yeah. But also, I mean, I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. I I have no idea at this point. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't know what's real. I don't know what Grace remembers. I don't know if she's intentionally obfuscating things. 
I, I have no answers and I'm equally like attracted and repelled to this story because I love like a definite answer. Me too. You know what I mean? Like I love going on the Wikipedia page and being yeah. like, what up? And Grace Marks's Wikipedia page is extremely unsatisfactory. Yeah. There's, it's hard to pin down if we can at all. So Nancy's acting normal and she wants Grace to sleep with her because Mr. Kinnear is gone. Mm-hmm. And so Grace thinks that Nancy wants her gone because she's afraid that Mr. Kinnear is going to switch his affections to Grace. Mm-hmm. And she says that you often see it with cows and um, dogs. Yeah. Just like it's not it's not a cute comparison, yeah, but like that, uh, um, you know, a male will change his uh, affection to one who is not in that condition. Yeah. And, you know, we've we've seen these hints that Mr. Kinnear has a hankering for grace. And again, I'm like, I don't know how seriously we're supposed to take this. Yeah. Was he for reals chasing her around? Yeah. I have no clue. Yeah. But, um, McDermott is telling grace, like, I'm going to kill her tonight. She's like, bitch, no, I'm in bed with her. You (laughs) can miss and hit me. I'm not trying to get killed. Yeah. Well, this is the first of Grace's like flimsy, like last ditch efforts to try to get him not to kill her. Uh huh. <laughs> this one is like, uh, I'm also there. Don't do it at night. Don't do it on a Thursday because then we have to wait all Friday. Also, don't do it on the carpet because I have to wash the fucking carpet. Uh, don't do it because I'm a Scorpio. Like, all she's a cancer. She's a cancer. I do. McDermott's think- a Scorpio. Oh, fuck off. I would bet you that he is. No, he's a scumbag. <laughs> um. By the way, RuPaul's a Scorpio. God damn it. <laughs> you need to be stopped. <laughs> I just really like the Refinery 29 horoscope. Oh, me too. Every Sunday, it's a really good one. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, though, is they put the murder as happening on July 27th. So if we count backwards, I don't know when her birth- when her birthday is, but it's looking like she might have my birthday. Yeah. Oh, my God. Do you want to know what else I found out mm-hmm. um, when I was reading the book, like in the author's note or something like mm-hmm. that? Grace entered the penitentiary in real life on my birthday in 1843. No yeah, November 19th, 1843. Ooh, spooky. I know. That's awesome. So her stay in prison was a Scorpio. Oh, my God. I'll be done now. I won't say it anymore, even yeah. though it's my birthday week. <laughs> it's a, It's not. It's not. It'll be two weeks before it's my actual birthday week. It's my birthday month, though. No. Okay, so she tells Nancy, she's like, hey, um, McDermott wants to kill you. And Nancy's like, yeah, I would also like to kill him. And Grace is like, he's in earnest. And Nancy's like, he's never been in earnest about anything. And he's so- earnest, scared, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> If he was earnest, save Christmas, I might believe you, but he's one of the lesser earnestes. You know what I mean, Vern? So then Grace says to Dr. Jordan something that really undermines my opinion of her, which she's like, you know, I told her she blew it off so I could see there was nothing I could do to save her. And I don't know if I believe you, Grace. Yeah. Like she told McDermott not to do it in the night. Yeah she potentially i don't know i'm like could you not have like gotten up and like run somewhere because i mean she knows like mcdermott's whole thing is like if you tell anybody i'm gonna kill you but where but if you run somewhere he's just gonna kill her anyway like right drag she, Nancy? she could try to stop it you know what i'm I saying guess, like that yeah. would have at least given her a much better presentation in court than well right. he told me that he was gonna kill them and i was like uh yeah, I suppose. I, I mean, but again, you're also like a 15-year-old in the yeah. countryside. Like, it's not like it was just down the road. If we believe that Grace actually didn't have anything to do with this, mm-hmm. 
I would give her the mulligan of being 15 years old. Yeah. At her like second job ever. Yeah. Alone in the wilderness with these people like to not do anything. And legit, she did say it's going to happen. No, she was like, he's going to kill you. And Nancy was like, nah. Well, I think it it harkens back to that idea that we use such violent language and we don't understand and we just use it really glibly. Like you're so like, oh, that, yeah. I do want, oh, I want to. Yeah, I mean, guy. it's like it's like we're all just constantly crying wolf, and then we're like, yeah. no, but for real, actually, though, yeah. yeah. So yeah. then Grace is having a dream mm-hmm. of Mary Whitney with a firefly jar. I got so scared. And Grace is <laughs> telling Mary Whitney to fly out. Uh-huh. And it's kind of a re- like a repeat of like Mary, like, you know, needing her to open the window and stuff. And mm-hmm. then, though, she's gone. Mm-hmm. And then Grace, we've seen this many times before this point. Mm-hmm. Grace is dreaming that Nancy has a cut over her eye. Yes. She takes her hand to her throat and yes. fall. It's, it's, I think, in the first episode we saw yeah. this. Yes. This is before the murder. And Dr. Jordan is like, whoa, whoa, whoa you saw this before the murder and she's like yeah many times since it's why they put me into the asylum i would dream it over and over only they said i wasn't asleep and i am like excuse me uh so she's having some sort of weird or she did it appears that she's not having it anymore but like this lucid like waking dream yeah it makes the hairs on the back of my neck it's horrible And also, I want to tell you, if you die, don't you fucking haunt me, bitch. Do not haunt me. There are so many other people (laughs) to haunt. Well, like, A, I know you wouldn't like it. And B, like, I'm not mad at you. Okay, thanks. You know, there's some people I want to fuck with. Yeah. (laughs) Hashtag vengeful ghost. Um, That's so interesting. And I think actually going back to his dumbass ted talk at the beginning of this i think that is another point that he brings up as he thinks that dreams have meaning and that's something that we should examine i think is something else that he said so then we flash to grace working in the garden with some very disturbing close-ups of snails i wrote very cute close-ups of snails because <laughs> i find snails delightful so mcdermott then grabs the axe and then grace is watching the snails and she's like i don't remember anything after that I was looking at the snails and that was it. I liked it. I wrote down the quote. I forget what the context is on this. Having a thought is not the same as doing it. Ah, she goes like, if we were all to be put on trial for our thoughts, we would go. We, we would, would all, all be, be hanged. hanged. Yeah. And I think she says something like she thought she had wished harm on Nancy, I think is what she says. Yeah. That she had wished Nancy ill. Actually, I do know what it explicitly refers to. I believe they're talking about the earrings and right. she said i thought about stealing the earrings off her body uh-huh. i'm not gonna tell you i didn't think that right and it's really speaking to dr jordan because he's mind fucking her yeah this whole time and he's well, lucky and, that and as she, she goes know like that. he's sitting so close to her it made me uncomfortable oh god like he has pulled his chair way close he's practically got his head in her lap well, do we want to talk about the other uncomfortable part in this episode? No, it's not time yet. So the next memory that she has is McDermott telling her to help kill Mr. Kinnear. Kinnear comes home. He gets out of the wagon. He wants to know where Nancy is. And they said that she went to town in a stagecoach. He's like, I didn't see her. Like, what? What are you talking about? Yeah. And then McDermott immediately was like, oh, I want to show. There's something wrong with your saddle that I've been polishing. 
and McDermott gets to the barn and then once Kinnear gets Ooh. near the barn he gets shot he greases him yeah like, right like immediately and Ooh. then he's like grace open the cellar door so she does remember opening the cellar door he makes her open the cellar door she kind of like tries to run out of the house he then shoots at her she falls and then she blacks out again so this is like shades of what happened with Mary Whitney. Yeah. Where you're having these periods of lucidity and having memories, but then these periods of having blacked out and remembering nothing. Yeah. Jamie Walsh testifies against her in court, which is heartbreaking. Yeah. Because the last time that we've seen him was him asking to be her sweetheart and saying, when I'm older and I have money, we'll get married. And now he's like, uh, I saw Grace. She seemed in like good spirits. Well, he says he says a memory that we don't ever see. No. Or we haven't seen yet, where he claims that he saw her in the front yard wearing Nancy's sock stockings mm-hmm. yeah. and like seeming happy and McDermott is like shooting at birds, quote unquote. Yeah. So it's another it's a weird memory that's mentioned but never seen. So it's like, is that yeah. real? We have no idea. And yeah. We see Grace getting sentenced to die and she faints and falls Ouch. on so the whole box in the court is like pokey. covered with these pokey spires and she falls on one. And then she's like, I could show you the scar. And then she starts like opening her dress and Dr. Jordan is like, <laughs> I've never seen someone's face get a boner before. <laughs> but this was as like close to well, that. His whole I- face. I wonder because I really feel like they directed this to indicate that she's sexually jealous of Mrs. Humphreys. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if they like are playing this up to make it sexier. Yeah. She was like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. We do burlesque Tuesdays in the penitentiary. Oh, yes. (laughs) Burlesque Tuesdays are my favorite part of jail. I've got a rockabilly routine that's. Quite titillating. Oh, my God. Every burlesque person has a rockabilly routine. You're not special, Grace. I hate burlesque so much. I love burlesque. I fucking hate it. Okay. I feel like it is catering to the male gaze. I love it so much. And that is not the body positivity that I need. Okay. Anyway. As long as you don't like We Heart Kids Club, you're okay in my book. Fuck you, Sonny. (laughs) God. So his face gets a boner. That's hilarious. And he, like, (laughs) makes her stop. And he's like, we'll continue tomorrow. I have to go jerk off right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's so gross. It's so uncomfortable. I hate it so much. Well, and then he just walks out. He goes and he's (laughs) he's staring across Lake Ontario like a chump. He's just like, man. He was like, it's getting hot in here. So go look at the lake. I'm getting so hot. Got to look at Lake Ontario. I was going to say, Grace going to take her clothes off. Oh, that's much better. Um, well, he's the camera can't show him from the front because he's got just a giant. <laughs> yeah, he's pitched. He's pitched quite a tent. It's like a five, six person family tent. He's like going to tip over. <laughs> All the blood is there. But he's how, so fucking thirsty. How big do so- you think his, his dick is? Realistically? Yeah. Like as the character, Dr. Jordan, I'm not talking about Edward whole, whatever, Holcroft. Yeah, sure. Whatever the hell his name is. Uh, I, I would say probably regular size. I, I feel like medium. I feel like medium. I feel yeah. like medium. It's nothing to write home about, but it's like, it's fine. This is like a Handmaid's Tale question. Who do you think has the bigger dick, Luke or Nick? Uh, I want to say Luke because I like Luke more. I want to say Luke just because I feel like he seems more comfortable in his sexuality granted yeah, we're, seeing, we're seeing we're seeing nick him at different times offer, like we're seeing nick in a very like high pressure situation yeah. um the commander micro dick 
gotta have a mic well well you know what though <laughs> serena joy wouldn't fuck around so i would say like a little below average See, this is the handmaid's tale analysis that people are dying for <laughs> back to Ilias grace uh where we've established certain people's dick sizes um, <laughs> um i feel like mcdermott is hung god mcdermott has to be like because dudes with good dicks are always assholes yep because they're like i don't have to be a nice person you know what, too? Probably no one is circumcised. <laughs> Maybe Jeremiah. I have to go lay down. <laughs> oh, God, you love that. I forgot. Never oh, mind. Boy. Oh, Jeremiah is definitely not circumcised. Oh, yeah. Don't. Even though people keep on, like, they keep, like, accusing him of being Jewish. That's what I'm saying. That's why I was thinking that he probably was. No, he's not Jewish, though. He's Italian. Maybe it's, like, half on, half off. That's not a thing. Yeah, it is. No, it's not. Yeah, yeah, you know, like... No, it's not. Yeah, yeah like... Well, like, the rabbi got tired halfway through, <laughs> yeah, and know, he was like, I'm done. You know, oh, oh, I'm, I'm. You never seen like a a, I'm pe- a penis with like a superhero cape, <laughs> like you know, half half a foreskin, like a two skin. So angry at you! <laughs> I am just, I'm infuriated right now. People love this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the only podcast bold enough to spend five minutes talking about circumcision. Anyhow. Except for those anti-circumcision podcasts, which I'm sure exist. <laughs> They're called Unrated and Uncut. <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> so he goes to sleep at night. <laughs> <I'm so sorry. laughs> Talk about Dr. Jordan. Dr. Jordan definitely not circumcised. Ugh. But like, he needs the extra inches, you know? <laughs> And by inches, I mean centimeters. Great. Um, so he goes to bed and Mrs. Humphreys does the old rub your hair on someone's face till they wake up trick that I'm, we've have, all done. I'm like, have you done this? Because I, I have long hair. I, it just happens. I'm too afraid of rejection to ever wake somebody up for sex. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm like, I'm like well, I'm not that pretty. Excuse me. I'm not wake up in the middle of the night pretty. I used to do it all the time. Um, Anyway. This is why you're my hero. Oh, God bless. Um, (laughs) So he thinks this is a great scene because he is in the middle of a sex dream. So he wills himself into thinking that Miss Humphreys is Grace. Well, I think he's having this dream and he thinks he's in his dream still. Yeah. uh, But then it's all too real. Yeah. (laughs) Because he's like, whoopsies. Well, I I think the directing in this is fabulous yeah because it is the woman that plays grace and it's a little hard to see it at the beginning but then they make a point of it being the woman who plays grace yes and, and the reveal is when she's grabbing his back and you can see her wedding ring and it was just yeah like, oh shit no. so mary heron like a plus very beautiful well directing. well done so good and then they go to miss humphreys and she's like gotcha She's she's just real like I gotcha with my trick vagina. Uh-huh. My vagina is a celebrated murderess of character. <laughs> of consent. Um so he pushes Yeah, this her. is real disturbing. This is I don't disturbing. I don't like ladies don't don't stoop to their level. A very similar thing happened in the movie Obsessed with Beyonce and Allie Larder and Idris Why you so obsessed Elba. Yeah. with me? Exactly. I had to get mine in. You got yours. This is an obsession heavy podcast. Yes, this podcast yes. is brought to you by Obsession <laughs> by Calvin by Calvin Klein. New spots, new spots. So she basically who gaslights whom here? Because I wrote gaslight and I don't remember the con. Yeah, they're they're both in a real ethical gray area here. Oh, you know what? We skipped a bunch. 
well, fine. Yeah, we skipped a whole bunch of stuff. Canada. You just wanted to talk about your favorite character, Mrs. Humphreys. Yeah. So <laughs> we get her in. We skipped when he is. He just talks to the Reverend about Grace's possible diagnoses, and the Reverend is like, "What about that hypnotism, though? Huh? Huh? Yeah. Handsome guy like that, he'll get it out of her." <laughs> and he's like, "It's my girlfriend. It's my girlfriend. It's my girlfriend." And then there is Dr. Jordan reading Grace's confession again. Like, and he is a mess again. Like, he's Ugh. just got papers spread everywhere. He keeps going. It's the way that I am with this book and this TV show. Like, I keep going back and I can't make head or tails of it. Yeah. And then McDermott says, like, this is a flashback. But again, like, I don't know who is telling us this part of the story. He says that he and Grace will go to the United States and get married. Oh, right. That's when. So I think the implication is. Dr. Jordan has fallen asleep after like doing okay. all of this research. I mean, also he's obsessed with grace. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised that this is his dream literally every night. Right. But then that's when, you know, miss Mrs. Humphreys comes in and he gets upset and she's like begging him to stay. And he's like, you tricked me. Like, I'm not sorry, but you tricked me. Yeah. And then he's like, I gotta go to Toronto. I gotta get out of here. I gotta go. <laughs> I hate when you fuck someone and then they go to Toronto. It's like, why would you have to go there? So McDermott's version of the story. So we're getting more into his confession now. He's like, we were having a great time killing people. We ate dinner. We toasted each other. And the fact that we killed these people. There is this really beautiful bit from Grace where they're in the wagon. So they've, Mm -hmm. you know, they've stashed Kinnear in the cellar. They've taken all the things of value. They get the wagon and Charlie horse and they're taken off they're going to go to the states and grace has this monologue about looking up at the sky and then suddenly feeling like the sky like falls away and there's only this empty black void and like there's this moment where she's like there is no god there's nothing there's no afterlife and it's to me that was terrifying because what we know about like grace is a woman of tremendous faith and she really and truly believes in god she you know she says her prayers she tries to live a good life. This yeah. is consistent in every part of her story. You know, she she tries to live a godly life. Yeah. And all of a sudden, she has this sense that it's all for nothing. Yeah. But then she's like, but then the sky came back. Yeah. Um, but then the next thing, we see her like put her head down on McDermott's shoulder. And the next thing, she comes out of a blackout. And McDermott has her on the ground and is like trying to fuck her. And she's like, whoa, what are you doing? And he's like, you promised. Yeah. And she's like, I did not. I was asleep. And he's like, you said you would. But then like he stands up and he's like, well, I guess I'll wait till we're married. I was just testing you. I guess you're a good girl after all. And I'm like, I don't like you, McDermott. You're a bad person. And it's there's so many. It's like a parade of unreliable narrators as well, because it's like. Did she say anything? Right. Is this like. Well, but she keeps blacking out. Yeah. Like, is this like fuck boy a tree? Well, because it's like we can't really trust Grace. Yeah. We can't trust McDermott. We definitely can't trust Dr. Jordan. And, you know, most of the people who were there are now dead. Yeah. Oh, it's like, can we, we think we can trust Jamie Walsh, but like, can we? Yeah. I don't know. So they arrive in an inn and it's like 5 a.m. And Grace is like, uh, let's just go chill until like people are awake. Yeah. So people aren't like, who are these weirdos who just yeah. showed up at 5 a.m.? He's like, I have money. I want breakfast. And he like bangs on the door. And she has a great line about how anytime a man has money in his pocket, whether he has any right to it or not, he believes it entitles him yeah. to all these things. 
she discovers that he stole Mr. Kinnear's boots. Mm-hmm. I think this is when they're having the breakfast and he's yeah. being a real asshole. Yeah. He's like, you didn't cook my egg right. Yeah. He has Mr. Kinnear's boots and Grace is like appalled that he took them off the body. Right. He's like, what are you talking about? Like you choked the fuck out of Nancy. And you're wearing her dress. Yeah. And I think, does she ask about her, her handkerchief? Yeah. The one that she got from Mary Whitney. Yeah. He's like, cause she's like, where is it? I need it to keep the sun off my neck. And he's like, you choked the fuck out of Nancy with that handkerchief. Which is interesting because we saw a scene that has that not happening. Like yeah. As he's doing him it. doing it. So we just, we do not know what to believe. No. Well, all. I think, is this where he talks about her face in the yeah, cellar? And yes. like, she says, God has damned me for this. And he's like, well, uh, then, you know. <laughs> Basically, let's go live la vida loca because yeah. we're already damned. <laughs> yeah, it's very strange. His remembrance of her or his gaslighting of her or whatever mm-hmm. is so different from her accounts and even from the official account. Yeah. And so they take the ferry to the United States. So they're crossing Lake Ontario. Oh, okay. And then McDermott. They they go stay in and Grace is like we're staying in different rooms. But then he tries to have sex with her anyway, mm-hmm. and she's like, "I'm so not having sex with you." He had his little candle. Yeah, <laughs> he was like, What's "He was up? like, you up?" <laughs> <laughs> she is dreaming of Mr. Kinnear like coming home, and Nancy is there. But then Nancy turns into Mary Whitney. And she's like kind of confused. Oh, you think she turns into Mary Whitney? Because I thought that was a separate window in the house. No, I thought it was the same window. Okay. I'd have to rewatch it. Doesn't matter. But to me, it's just like all the dead people she knows yeah. in the house. So then, though, she's awakened because the police have come to arrest her and McDermott. Ooh. And I think that's the end of the episode. Yeah, <laughs> it's the end of the episode. I'm like, I'm like, like really I'm, abrupt. I'm like, my my notes end here. So I'm yeah. hoping that's true. <laughs> well, I want to bring to your attention. I don't know if this has been in the credits of every episode, but the song that is playing in the end credits of this episode is called let no man steal your time and that is the song at the end of every episode because the second episode i was like i know this song okay and then i realized that it had been in the previous episodes end credits because i was like was this on like the oh brother where art thou soundtrack (laughs) is it (laughs) i don't know it's just what i think every time i hear folk music so it is a folk song and it is interesting yeah (laughs) have you read the lyrics i have not i have i've listened to it but i don't I didn't delve deep. So the first verse is come all you fair and tender maids that flourish in your prime. Beware, beware, keep your garden fair. Let no man steal your time. Like T H Y M E. Right. But also, but also virginity or whatever. And then exactly. (laughs) So here's the chorus. And I think this speaks just volumes about this whole plot. It says, the chorus is, for a woman is a branchy tree, a man's a clinging vine, and from your branches carelessly, he'll take what he can find. Like, I'm getting chills just reading that, because that's mm-hmm. so, like, fuck, men use women, you have to protect yourself, because you have to pull a Maxine Waters and reclaim your time, and... <laughs> It's, and your time. It's haunting. It's so haunting. And it's so apt for this this show. I, I just, it, I'm upset that I'm only just now realizing it. This is like only somewhat related, but I think time is my favorite herb. Oh, that's the tangent you object to? Huh? <laughs> that's the, the thing that you object to bringing up that's not related? Yeah, apparently. <laughs> okay. 
Okay, great. What's your favorite herb, Molly? Rosemary. Okay, great. (laughs) Um, I did have that in my front pocket ready to go. Yeah, if anybody wants to claim parsley and sage, we can get a craft style Four Corners going on herbs. (laughs) Also, I want to revisit because I spent a lot of time Uh going back and rewatching episode two Mm -hmm. to decide whether or not Grace knew who the gentleman was before... George Parkinson, Mr. George Parkinson started being an asshole. I really don't think she did. I think it took her a while to like figure it out. Mm -hmm. I have more thoughts to share on this re the book, but we'll we'll save that for the book recaps. Cool. I can't. Yeah, man. And also like, seriously, I'm going to advocate like do yourself a favor and read the book. Yeah. I reread it over this past like week. Yeah. And it was just a pleasure to me. It is fun to read. I'm, I would never say that it's not fun. Yeah. Because I had a great time reading it. Yeah. I mean, the I discovered the only thing that I didn't like because there are frequently sections that are correspondence. Mm-hmm. And anytime it was a letter that a man was writing, I totally, like my eyes rolled back in my head. I blacked out and then I came to somewhere. <laughs> but otherwise, I, I just really, I enjoy it. And I think Margaret Atwood had such a good time writing it. I think yeah. it really comes through. Anyway, I'm so excited about episode six. I know. Like this one, you know, just so so. I mean, I enjoyed a lot of parts of it, but I didn't feel like the whole was as good as episode two Mm -hmm. or episode four. Mm -hmm. I'm really hoping that the final episode is just like going to knock my socks off. I think it has to because there's a lot more ground to cover. Yeah. I'm I'm so excited. I wonder if it'll be longer. I wonder if it'll be like an hour and a half situation, but we'll find out in just... Just, you know, one short day in the Emerald City. <laughs> I was going to do one day more. So. Ah, uh, different, different musicals, <laughs> but one heart. And I don't know what I'm talking about. Let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. No lite teba stardes carborundorum. Dum, 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 d